Um, today I'm joined by Sarah Jean Mason and Simon Turner, who are both directors of the Lacuna International Art Festivals. Sarah Jane is a specialist in mixed media approaches in, to creating and learning with the foundations of a practice rooted in painting, drawing and sculpture. She is passionate about the importance of creativity for everyone and as such places an equal importance on both her roles as a creative educator and a practicing artist as well as the director of the Lacuna Festivals. Currently, Sarah Jane splits her time between the UK and Lanzarote. In the UK, she works as an artist educator for spaces such as Leeds Art Gallery, the Tetley and Yorkshire Sculpture Park, and also for art char charities such as Skipco. She is also involved in carnival arts in the UK through the fiercely inspiring Anonymous Troupe and the AAA team, both based in Leeds. In 2021, Sarah Jane was awarded an Arts Council England grant called Develop Your Creative Practice. This funding, Sarah Jane is developing a collaborative practice through investigating ways of working with other creatives over distance. In Lanzarote, she's working with a land artist and jewelry maker, Simon Turner, to set up a hub for creative practices and international cultural exchange. The hub called the Lacuna Studios has been inspired by the Cyprus College of Art in Lember and aims to provide a creative space for all, free of restrictions, commitments and hierarchies. Simon Turner is the co-director of the Lacuna International Art Festival and he's a Lanzarote-based land artist, artivist, as well as being a co-founder of the Lacuna Studios and Festivals. Um, thank you both for joining me today. I'm very excited to have you on board. Um, I'm going to start off by asking you to tell me what were the highlights of the Lacuna Festival for you both? Um, for me, I think one of the one of the main highlights is the the wide range of artists that that we get applying for the festivals and the wide range of artwork that comes in. I think that um, for me, it's all based around interactions with artists. So um, when I was thinking about this question, I thought about the um, collaboration project, about how I discuss suggestions for the festivals with artists and about our Claudora event where we had a tapa in the local um, bar uh, with all of the artists that were on the island at the end of the festival. And it's really those interactions that make the festivals for me. Fantastic. I could see, you know, there was a diverse array, uh, array of artwork. You had artists from all over the globe. They were hosting a lot of events as well, both, both online and physically. Um, and you had uh, both an online gallery, an online exhibition, as well as a physical um, exhibition. So what was it like simultaneously managing them both, you know, online with the events and then physically um, as well? What was that experience like? Exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting um, and it's challenging. And when we first had to do things online, 
um, because of the pandemic, we both learned a lot. But um, now having this kind of blended approach is great because it means so many people can get involved from all over the world. But it is a lot of work. It really is. And it's a it's a never ending learning curve. Every t- every time we put out the open call for for the festival, we learn so much about what we have to do and how we have to adapt to to incorporate the different artworks and artists that that apply. But it is absolutely exhausting. That is the only way that we really kind of manage it is that I sort of oversee and kind of organize and manage and I'm basically the bossy one and Simon (laughs) is the workhorse like Simon just kind of works and works and works and works um um but you don't have the kind of overall view of it all do you so it's like uh yeah so I guess that's how we manage it manage the roles between us yeah it works it works really well I think as Sarah said she has she has much more of an overview um, of the whole festival, and I concentrate on on each aspect that arises. Um, and also because of the time frames that we can both apply to the festival, I can put in a lot more hours um, structuring things, like creating the galleries um, and creating the online forms and all the feedback forms and things like that. I do a lot more of the of the digital work and Sarah deals with the artists a lot more. Yeah, I'm doing like a lot of the communications, so like emails and WhatsApps and messengers and direct messengers on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else that people can talk <laughs> to us. Um, that's kind of um, my sort of work, work I guess. Um, and then, yeah, I'm sort of trying to see things from like an overall point of view like how are all the galleries going to work together how are the themes going to work together how are we going to structure the events calendar um how are we going to make sure that it all fits together and that everybody feels like they're a part of it um so those those kinds of things yeah so that's kind of how we split it I mean, I'm completely in awe because this is a festival on an international scale and you had a full activity of events, you know, you had public engagement, interactive events, um, as well as, you know, um, the social media presence. You had a very active social media presence as well. It was very interactive. You had a lot of, um, you know, strategies like the Insta Us, Insta You um uh, as well as the interactive online and you know uh, on-site programs alongside running the full exhibition so what was the logistics process of the festival like we we always start early so first we make sure that we have some time off at the end of the festival so we've probably got like another 10 days or so maybe not even that long um and then we're going to have a month off um but then we start with gusto sort of mid-september planning for the next year um and we try and build on things from the previous year so that we're not kind of reinventing the wheel you know we take stuff that's worked before and that we get good feedback from our artists on and we kind of base things on that. Um, 
yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I think logistically, we because there is only the two of us that that run the festivals, we have to start so early and we have to start planning things so much in advance. Because even even starting in September, we just find that time runs away with us. Yeah. And before we've even blinked, it's sort of it's time for the open call. Uh, we're in a mad panic to get things organised and to get things where we need to be. I had an interview on um, one of the local radio stations, and one of the questions was, "Why do you only do one event a year?" I was like, <laughs> "Okay, clearly you have never organised an art event because that is like that is why it's so much work." Um, and I think when something's such a passion project and it really is for us, you know, we both put in, like, I know that you can't put in 110%, but we can, and we do. And, um, yeah, that means that, um, yeah, it takes a lot, you know. It takes a lot to logistically organise it. But also it means that once you've given all of that, you have to, like, have some processing time, some kind of reflection time before you can do it all again, you know. And, so I think that comes into the logistics of it as well, that kind of reflection and feedback loop. Yeah. And also we have to we have to provide the artists with enough time to either A, create the work, or B, get the work to us if they want to participate in the physical festivals. Because being such a tiny island and being so remote, um, actually getting artwork to us is a logistical nightmare in itself. Yeah, there's a lot of um, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff in terms of shipping that people aren't necessarily aware of because it's Spanish territory, so technically we're within the EU, but actually everything has to go through a number of sets of customs before it even gets to us on this island. It goes through two customs processing before it gets to customs on our island. Um, and because of the, the territory being like not in the peninsula, not on mainland Europe, um, it can be quite difficult actually getting artwork in and out of the country. Um, and very, very time consuming. So that's important. And the other thing which we always think is important is to have opportunities for people to be able to apply for funding because we can't provide funding for artists, but we, strongly believe that artists deserve funding um, and we want to support people in applying for that people need like a three-month run-in period normally and so we put out the open call pretty early we normally go for about mid-January um, and then a couple of months later we're kind of sending out the emails telling people um, that that application or submission has been successful so that it gives people that run in time so that if they want to, for example, this year we had some performance artists, um, Jordina Ross and Perry Estadeo who came over from Catalonia, um, and they had, um, funding to come and do a, a live performance on the island. But that is only possible if you have a long run in time. Um, so we try and do that for the artists as much as. For us <laughs> yeah because that's that's one of the things that we we really aim to do with the festival is to to bring artists together physically wherever possible to to help build a network of artists around the world 
it sounds so well thought out. And like Sarah said, uh, a passion project. I'm absolutely amazed, you know, at how in-depth you're thinking about the festivals, how every little aspect is um, artist-centered. Um, and, I, and I noticed, you know, the ethos of the festival is where you are really, really providing a lot of opportunities for artists, for emerging artists who might not necessarily ordinarily have access to those opportunities. Um, it's a uh, it's a passion project, like Sarah said, and I'm amazed at the fact that the structured events and opportunities that you are providing on such a professional international scale, what does the outlook look for the future? What are your plans for the future then? Um, well, we definitely plan to continue the festivals, um, definitely here on Lanzarote for, for the foreseeable future. Um, and we do plan to, to build on the, on the foundations that we've laid already. I mean, we've only been going for four years and, you know, we're, we're up to, artists we have this year 200 200 artists this year, yeah. 200 artists this year. Um, and we had quite a lot of artists actually come to the island and that's that's something that we we aim to build on we have we have a really strong returning um returning number of artists and that's that seems to stand us in good stead each year yeah, and it helps to um, build the community when you have artists who have been with you since the beginning or for a number of years, then um, quite often they are developing in their careers and their practices. And so each time that they return, they bring something new, but they also perhaps are feeling a bit more comfortable with the whole setup of the festivals. They understand how it runs. They know who we are. Um, they know how to get in touch with us. Um, and so then you kind of build this community where you have returning artists who maybe are a bit more experienced with the setup, as well as the, the new artists that maybe need a bit more support or a bit more guidance. Um, and so it kind of feeds into itself. And it's like a, a community that kind of worked as a group, you know, even if we step away from it as organizers, you've got younger or um newer artists coming in shall we say um who maybe have fresh ideas or have only recently come out of university so have got access to kind of new technology and more contemporary theory etc etc working alongside uh, more experienced or established artists um and that's a that's a really nice dynamic to have it's kind of a it's quite an old school idea, actually, this idea of having artists supporting artists and um, commercialism and globalism kind of went out for, for a bit of blood there, you know, um, trying to pitch everyone against each other, in essence. Um, and I feel like it's time to return to the, to the traditions of artists supporting artists and there being this really strong um artist-led community and so having the festivals as like the pin for that yeah. is is really nice and i think looking towards the future one of the things that we do hope to 
to acquire is funding. Um, because at the moment, the, the festival's completely non-funded. Um, so all, all the work that's put in in the background, organizing the festival, delivering the festival, uh, communicating with the artists, that's, that's all done in our free time um, on top of our day jobs. So if we could secure funding, we could make, make the festivals bigger and better and more engaging for more artists. Um, and funding is, it's an ongoing kind of conversation and it's something that I think we'd actually like to talk to more of our artists about because um, it costs roughly a thousand euros a year to keep the festivals afloat and so every year we put up a GoFundMe campaign for that amount and that just covers costs like um, the Zoom Pro license that we're using to have this interview, you know, our website, um, being able to do mail mergers for hundreds of artists so that we can keep everybody in touch, hosting the Flickr albums and so on and so on, all of these sorts of subscriptions and monies that we need to pay out. Um, but it doesn't give any money to um, kind of expand the festival in any way. Um, so we really struggle every year for paying for promotion. We have to rely on um, free promotion or limited numbers of publication. Um, so funding is something that we could really do with. But there are lots of problems with funding as well. Um, for example, we are British citizens, but living in Spain, and that means that we kind of fall in a lot of um, funding cracks. Um, there's also the issue of funding normally comes with kind of criteria. You know, we will give you this amount of money, but you need to do this in return. And I think that we're quite protective over keeping the festivals um, as grassroots and as non-hierarchical and as um, free access to all as we possibly can do. And quite often when we've seen funding opportunities, um, we would have had to compromise our ethics. And that is something that I don't think we're prepared to do. Well, we're not. I don't no. know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I don't think. We're not. We're, we're not prepared not. to do that. Definitely not. And that's, as Sarah said, keeping the festival non-hierarchical um, is one of our primary concerns um, and that's one of the things that, that we always aim for is to make sure that artists can participate in the festival at whatever level they are so we can have you know brand new emerging artists coming out of school coming out of university participating for free alongside really established art and we we don't charge any fee to to partake in the festival we don't charge any fee to exhibit in the festival and we don't charge any fee if an artist sells their artwork which is quite unheard of in the in the art world I think it's very admirable your ethical outlook, you know, towards running these festivals. And I would almost say that you both are advocates for artists. You know, you're very protective over artists. And um, 
in sort of protecting their rights as well and providing those opportunities which they might not have access to um it's it's very rare to see such moral courage um in to, in in today's time let alone you know in in the competitive art world which unfortunately at times it does become and i very much admire you know uh, both sarah's and simon's stance towards um you know keeping it non hierarchical making it uh, giving access to everybody giving those opportunities and uh, involving you know you've got uh, hundreds of artists on board from all over the world you know you've got a diverse array of representation you've got a diverse array of different art styles um so it's 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 very interesting and you know i hope you guys go sh- from strength to strength um now i want to come back to and put you in the picture as artist because both of you speak very strongly about the rights of the artists and you know um in 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 supporting them which is which is absolutely brilliant to hear what is your own artistic process like and what are your future plans as artists yourselves so um, my processes are always mixed media um and i guess the point of my practice there has to be a point I don't know that's a weird way to to describe it but I guess an aim is to encourage dialogue um, and conversation around those subjects that are really uncomfortable but super important um, to to question societal norms and to contrast the um, lived experiences of different people in a particular space um, or place I get quite inspired by the mass media and the impact that has on our lives. Um, And since splitting my time between the UK and Lanzarote, that's become even more interesting to me because I get to see lots of stories from two different countries' views um, through the mass media. And like particularly during the pandemic, that was really, really fascinating. Um, Sometimes... The mass media in Spain and England were saying exactly the same thing. And sometimes they were saying totally the opposite. Um, And so just becoming kind of hyper aware of, yeah, how stuff's being spun out and for what purpose and why is kind of um, quite central, I guess, to my practice. Um, And as for my future plans, in the introduction, you uh, mentioned that I had Arts Council funding um, last year. It's just just finished my 12 months. but it was amazing and that um arts council funding was from england to work with artists um internationally but across distance it was sort of inspired by my pandemic experience i guess um and also by the fact that i run these festivals you know and i'm in contact with all these artists but quite often don't actually have time to do that in my practice when I'm practicing I'm normally um, in a studio on my own um, or I'm delivering things in galleries and museums Um, and I've spent a decade now doing that in places like the Sculpture Park and like Leeds Art Gallery and I I love my work um, and I I want to keep on doing that but um, this this Arts Council funding has enabled me to really think about how I want to push my personal practice and so my aim for the next 12 months is to 
um, continue some of the collaborations that that funding allowed me to set up with artists, um, some germ, a German-based artist and um, an Ireland-based artist uh, to continue those collaborations and aim for some exhibitions um, in different countries, maybe swapping between um, the countries that I live in and the countries that they live in, for example. Um, yeah, and that's enough of me waffling on. Your turn, Simon. <laughs> um, so my my art practice and my artistic processes um, are predominantly land based. Um, I do work in photography as well quite a lot, um, but I work mainly as an environmental artist um, and a land artist. So my my aim is to to draw people's attention to the natural environment and to to make people think twice um especially here on on Lanzarote where there's a huge tourism business um and people take the landscape despite the the island being outstandingly beautiful um people kind of take the island and its beauty for granted and so, so my practice aims to, to draw people's attention to, to the natural world around them. Um, and for the future, I'm, I'm hoping to, last year I took part in a, a land art festival in Texas, in America. Um, and I'm hoping to, to build on that and take part in other land art festivals around the world. So I'm, I'm hoping to, to secure funding and to secure access to to get to some of the other the other land art festivals and mix with other with other artists. Fantastic! Uh, it sounds like you know, you've got a lot of amazing um, future plans in store, as well as some really interesting art practices. And thank you so much for sharing that. Um, with us and in, both of you are in achieving uh, incredible amounts you know both individually as artists and as a team working on the Lacuna Studios and the festival um, I wanted to ask so with such a busy schedule how do you manage your mental well-being so um, for for me a large part of managing my mental well-being is managing my physical well-being because I have um, quite a lot of long-term chronic health conditions. And if I don't look after myself, I can make myself very sick very quickly. Um, and so I have to, and when I get very sick, um, then I start to really struggle with my mental health. Um, so a lot of my managing my mental well-being is actually around keeping my physical well-being um, as healthy as it can be for me. Um, and so I I do lots of different things. Um, I am a huge advocate of yoga nidra, which is like this really um, deep, people call it yogic sleep. It's not sleep. The whole point is not to go to sleep. It's like a really deep relaxation technique. It changes your um, brain waves. It's been scientifically proven um, to help relax all three of your states, emotional, mental, and physical. So I take that quite seriously. Um, I meditate quite regularly. 
I'm if I could afford therapy every week, I would have it. I can't, but <laughs> I have it as much as I possibly can do. I think that talking to people and talking to a professional um, who is non-judgmental and has lots of kind of other points of view and wisdom and insight into psychology is invaluable. Um, and then like some really simple stuff like walking by the sea, you know, being out in nature, taking some free energy from the sunshine and some vitamin D. Um, and having really good sleep hygiene. Um, so going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, um, not having blue light in the bedroom, you know, not eating really close to bedtime, all of that kind of stuff that you know that you have to do, but it's kind of a bit dull. Um, like I really make sure that I do that because if I don't, then I start to, I start to struggle. For, for me, um, I struggle really badly with my mental health. Um, I've been suffering with depression for quite a number of years now. Um, and that's something that, that I, I rely on medication, but I really know that I shouldn't. Um, but being in the outdoors, as Sarah said, being in the outdoors, we live, we live literally on the beach. Um, and being able to hear the sea and being able to just step out the door and engage with the natural environment helps enormously. Um, and one thing that, as Sarah was saying before, about the different forms of yoga, we both went to, to India and trained as yoga teachers um, five years ago, huh? Yeah. five years ago um i haven't practiced as a yoga teacher but um i attend sarah's classes when sarah delivers classes so i'm an i'm an avid student and i find that i find that partaking in in yoga helps me um but with the i think i find it extremely difficult trying to juggle all the different things, trying to keep my mental health as stable as possible um, while delivering and preparing the festivals and delivering quite a stressful job. On top of that, we have, we have extremely busy lives at the moment. I think <laughs> as well it's um, because there are just two of us involved in the festivals um, we feel a lot of pressure. I mean, this year I caught COVID in March and then suffered with long COVID and a relapse of my ME. Um, my grandma died in May and then I managed to catch COVID again during the festivals. And so I like went from being probably the healthiest that I've been in decades to being really run down and really, really struggling, which meant Simon had to take on a lot of the of the work in the run-up to the festivals and then during the festivals. But then obviously that unbalances Simon because he's got this really careful balance going between his work and the festival work. And like he says, trying to look after himself so he can manage his mental well-being. Um, and so it doesn't take a lot to upset the balance. And we have to really look out for and look after each other to make sure that we yeah that we're okay you know and that yeah. we come out the other side of it feeling okay um and I think that we're really lucky that we have quite good communication in our relationship professionally and personally yeah, that, means gonna, that we can do that yeah 
we do work really well together. And I think delivering the festivals with the, the ethos that we have behind them, um, working together so closely, as well as living together, as well as being partners, it's it's a really it's a really fragile balance as w- when you take into consideration our health as well. Um, but I, I do feel that we we balance each other out quite well. Yeah, opposites attract. That's what they say, right? <laughs> yeah. <absolutely. laughs> uh, I'm so grateful that you've been so brave and so honest. Um, in sharing, you know, what the experiencing that you're going through. And, um, I respect very much your experiences. And I think by sharing, uh, you know, the challenges that you have faced during, uh, during the, the process of the festival, the challenges with the ment- mental wellness and also the strategies that you're taking to address those, I think that will also empower other people that are going through similar things, but who are not able to vocalize it. Um, this is something that is often not talked about so much, but it needs to be because, um, we don't, we don't actually realize how many people are going through similar things until things are said. And again, you know, very grateful to you, to you both for having the honesty and the moral courage to share it. Um, how important uh, then do you feel the link is between art and mental well wellness? I think that it's, yeah, I think there's a huge link. I mean, there's there's proven benefits um, for the not even actually participating, just looking at art. There's proven benefits for mental wellness. Um, but I think that if you're involved in it as a practitioner, it, it can be therapeutic. Many artists do cite their practice as supporting their mental health or enabling them to work through certain issues mentally and emotionally. Um, I think that there's lots more to come between, uh, yeah, on the link between art and art and mental wellness. Yeah, for for me especially. Um dealing with depression and dealing with um, the strength of the depression that I have, um, actually engaging in the in the art form that I do is just a complete meditative, meditative state. Um, you know just being out on the on the beach, just me and my and my drawing tools, and the ocean for hours on end. And I always, I always find beaches where there's not many people. And so I can just, I just lose myself. It heals. Spending hours out on the beach just heals immensely for me. Mm. I think another important um, link is the voice that art can give to some subjects that you know in the past have been taboo people didn't used to talk about mental health it wasn't a thing you know um and obviously it's always been a thing but it just wasn't talked about it was like airing dirty laundry or something like that you know and actually your mental health is exactly the same as your physical health 
you know you need both of them um and they both need looking after they both need strengthening they're both kind of things that you can learn skills to support and art really gives a voice to that and lots of other subjects you know that people find difficult to talk about or difficult to communicate their experiences or how they're feeling or their emotions or I think that there's something really powerful about visuals the same way that music does it you know there's that kind of power to to having an art form I think yeah absolutely I think, Sarah, you've hit the nail on the head, you know, when you talked about that mental health as and wellness has always been a thing, just not talked about so much. And uh, both you and Simon, in, in what you've discussed, you know, in what you've raised about the experiences and the links between art and mental wellness, they go in very, very, very in-depth together. Um, then looking towards the future, because we know, there's an evolution, you know, uh, there is a lot more um, conversations that are happening about mental wellness. Even if we look back on certain artists like Van Gogh and, you know, looking at art history and the perspective of art history as it is now, um, mental uh, well-being and mental health is discussed in a more compassionate light and with a more compassionate perspective. But looking towards the future, what is your outlook on the future relationship between art and wellness? I think it's a relationship that's, that's always been strong, um, but as, as we said, has never really been talked about. Um, and I can only see that that relationship is going to go, grow stronger. And the bond is going to become much tighter as people become more aware of how fragile mental health and well-being is um, and linking the two together and being able to talk about things more. I think the, yeah, I think, I think the bond is just going to grow from strength to strength and become much more, much more firm. I think that um, one of the things that that it needs is it needs advocacy. So when I first um, was diagnosed with ME, I didn't tell anyone for two years. I tried to cover it up because I thought it was like a weakness. And in the past, it had been called yuppie flu, you know, as if it's not a real illness. Um, and there's a lot of prejudices um, and discrimination and all sorts of things that you come up against from the outside, but also from the inside, you know, accepting yourself as someone that has something that's actually a registered disability. You know, there's lots of lots of challenges in that. And so what helped me was um, somebody else who was advocating for people. And it was the, the Humans of Project, which just in case um, the listeners haven't heard of this, it's a photography-based project and photo- photographers take portrait photo of um, somebody just out in the street. It's not like a studio set. It could be anyone. Um, and ask them ask them one question. And that quest- the answer to that question is what goes alongside their portrait photo. Um, and it's, it's just this really empowering 
um, experience and kind of cultural phenomenon, I guess. Um, and I was asked what my greatest fear was. And I said, you know, my greatest fear is that I'm never going to be well again. Um, and I'd never voiced that before. And so it was through this photography project that was, you know, advocating for all humans, you know, and all experiences that I sort of started to accept my health and my position and my kind of life going forwards. And then I'm getting more, as the years go by, I'm getting more and more kind of vocal about it. And I feel like I need to be vocal about it and that I need to be an advocate and I need to be an ally. And I think that that's really important. Um, and I think that some of that goes back to um, the education system. When you were talking about Van Gogh, all I could think about was how uh, when I was in school, all everyone talked about was like, oh yeah, he was crazy, he chopped his ear off, you know, and like it wasn't a very compassionate way to talk about something that was probably really complex, you know. Um, and so I think that starting at that ground kind of structural level, you know, of education, but then also yeah, advocating and supporting those who feel like maybe they're not ready to speak out or they don't want to speak out. You know, I think that's also important to be an ally in that way. Mm. I think there's also, there's a lot of strength to be gained from art therapy. Mm. Um, I know that that's something that, that Sarah's encountered through, throughout her, her illness. Um, and I think linking the two and being able to communicate your illnesses, your your fears, being able to communicate those through art is just hugely strengthening. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that I can talk for England, um, it was totally a totally different experience having art therapy. And that was after that interview um with humans of Leeds um and yeah and it really helped me and I would yeah massively shout out for art therapy for the future but again things like that need to become kind of more socially acceptable as like a normal way of healing um it's really difficult to get even talking therapy on the um health service in the UK um let alone things like play therapy or theater therapy or art therapy um or music therapy or all of these other types of um you know interactive art healing that supports um mental well-being so i think that if doctors could start writing prescriptions for things like sunshine and paintings rather than um antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications or at least alongside those things then we'd be taking a step in the right direction 